You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Thank you, David, not only for leading the worship team and us uh, to the presence of the Lord who worship in song, but also for reminding us of the message that was preached last Sunday morning and also uh, the preparation that is in place for our mission fair tonight. I want to encourage everyone, please come to the mission fair. A lot of work has gone into this. All of our 15 missionaries will either be here or represented. There are a lot who are not able to be here, but they will be represented tonight. The, The fair goes from six. Uh, p.m. to 8 p.m., but you don't have to stay the whole time. If you're worried about, that's a little late, you'll, you'll be able to get to a whole lot of the different missionaries and see them uh, before you go home, and you still get home in good time for uh, Sunday night. Fo- I mean, uh, your kids, getting your kids to bed and to sleep um, before so that they can be prepared for school tomorrow. So don't miss it. Now, Roy Lytle was to speak this morning. If you are disappointed that Roy and Margaret are unable to be with us, so am I. Uh, The Lytle's inability to be here, though, brings life to the passage we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 1. We'll also be in Romans 15, but it's going to sound a lot like the interaction uh, between us and Roy about this a time when he was to be here this morning. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Romans somewhere in the mid-50s. Now, I'm not talking about the mid-1950s, but the mid-A.D. 50s, somewhere along in there. Uh, and as we hear Paul's great missionary heart, I may have mentioned this before, many times before, in fact, that... Uh, Roy is the closest thing to the Apostle Paul that I know. Now, Burt Wallace feels the same way about Dave Knight, one of our other missionaries. So you could just get a sense of the, of the wonderful evangelist and Bible teachers and Bible-saturated ministries that we are blessed to partner with in the gospel. This message today will be a little different from many. We'll spend much of our time reading scripture. The text is Romans 1, 1 through 17, and then Romans 15, 1 through 33. And yes, you heard that correctly. There will be 50 verses read this morning. There'll be a little commentary here and there, primarily in Romans chapter 1. But the preparation for this long reading has been laid over the last 28 years, as long as Grace Community Church has been here, it has been committed to the exposition of God's Word, an exposition of Scripture, expository preaching, and it enables us at times to take a big picture kind of look at a topic or subject that we are thinking about. It's the reading of truth this morning that has existed before time began but was made in full during the first century with the coming of Jesus Christ. I want to share the application for our text here at the beginning 
of the message. And hopefully these three points will guide and inform both our reading this morning and the questions that we ask of our missionaries tonight at the mission fair. First, the preaching of the gospel is both our mission and our vision. And Jesus is the center of the gospel. You hear, what is a church's purpose? What is a church's mission? What is a church's vision? Well, you'll talk about that in home groups this week if you meet. And if you don't meet, I've asked the home group leaders to send the leaders notes to you because that will explain this more fully. Allison and I attended a funeral this past week for my cousin uh, who went far too young. He was 48 years old. And the funeral was held at a Catholic church where there was a surprising amount of gospel truth shared in the service. John 14, 6 had a prominent place and the officiant tied my cousin's eternal destiny to both the death and resurrection of Jesus. I thought about that as David was praying and and talking about the resurrection power that is ours as we live this life. But surely we have no hope of salvation apart from the resurrection of Christ. And I thought to myself, as I was thinking very critically, not critically as in criticism that I'm leveling, although always I could could surely do that in in a Catholic church, but I thought to myself, Well, there's a lot that Catholics get right. It was our church, by the way, for most of the 2,000 years that we've existed. But there's a a lot that they get wrong as well. I would have to say about liberal Protestant churches, there is a little bit that they get right, but there's a whole lot that they get wrong. The gospel truth that our only hope of salvation is in Jesus, is what we embrace here at Grace. I've come to realize that it is not just gospel truth being stated or read that so often leads to salvation. It's the preaching of the gospel. For instance, in liberal Protestant churches that are A lot of them are very liturgical. And what do we say about those churches? Well, it's really good that they're hearing the gospel because in the reading of Scripture, they're hearing the gospel proclaimed. I say say that. I've said that for many years. But you know what? I have never heard a testimony. Maybe you can come up to me today and say, no, I was that person. I've never heard a testimony of someone who said, you know, I'm, I'm in this Presbyterian or Episcopal church and not all of either of those denominations uh, are anti-gospel, but a lot of them are. They never say, I I, I kept hearing it's my good works that gets me to heaven, but I heard the scripture read and I just thought, you know what, this is truth and I'm going to believe this. Maybe you've heard people say that, I never have. It's the preaching of the gospel that brings life. We've been seeing that in 1 Corinthians. We read it all over the scripture, and it, how does the preaching come? It may come from the pulpit, or it may come from your witness to another person. That's preaching the gospel when you share Jesus with someone else, or it may come from a gospel tract that's left in a, in a restaurant or a hotel or a commentary that you read. 
the preaching of God. That's one of the things that I love about the Gideon Bibles left in hotels. When you look at the front, how can I be saved? Where do I go when I'm this, that, and the other? In a sense, that's preaching the gospel. But if you just read the scripture, oftentimes, unless it is explained or organized in a certain way, you miss the, 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 the truth of the saving power of Jesus Christ. What is our mission? The Great Commission. Take the gospel to all nations. What is our vision? While it's not wrong to think about buildings and growth, should the Lord grant us numerical growth, our vision is to preach the gospel. Vision is tied to temporary times and circumstances. Our vision in a North American church is going to feel a whole lot different than a vision in the way that is used today in a North Korean church where part of their vision would be staying alive. Not, I, I don't mean to be light or try, but you get the point. It's not always easy to say, hey, God wants us to build this building, to plant church. Planting churches is a big part of the vision any, for any church if the Lord grants you any numbers at all. But once again, in many countries that are closed that we prayed for today, you don't have opportunities that we have here and the freedoms that we have here. So it's easy to take for granted the preaching of the gospel here at Grace. Week after week, not just when I'm preaching, but everyone who stands here preaches the gospel. And so it's easy to take that for granted until you go to another church. While there are many churches that preach the gospel every week, there are many more that do not. Now, that's a sad thing. That we have to say there are more churches that do not preach the gospel than there are that do preach the gospel. Why do we? Because we're better or smarter than other people. If, if we think that we know nothing of God's grace in our lives, everything we understand, know, believe, proclaim is a mercy of God to us. God has blessed us, which is why this second point is so important. The gospel is under attack always, both from within and without. We must work hard to protect the unity of the body for the furtherance of the gospel. Look, many of the themes that we have, ha, have engaged in 1 Corinthians are also given to the Romans. I, I thought this week as well, it's just really interesting to me. How does Paul address the Corinthians? If you've been here for any length of time, you know. He's very direct, pretty harsh at times. Like, Paul, man, that's tough. How did the Corinthians respond? They repented. And reform was brought to their lives and to their church. And with the Romans, Paul is fairly gentle. He's saying, yeah, you need to be careful about this. And how did they respond? Well, it's thought by some that it's a pretty good chance that these are the ones that turned him in that led to his execution during his second, after his second imprisonment. It's 
just interesting to me. It's speculation, but it's educated speculation about the, the believers at Rome turning Paul and Peter into the authority. Attacks on the gospel come from every angle and sometimes where we least expect them. Last, it is a blessing to partner with so many wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ who have sacrificed so much to take the gospel near and far. Pray for our missionaries and for the furtherance of the gospel. If you do not believe me about this now, come tonight and when you meet many of these missionaries, Dennis and Linda Beck who serve in Ohio and Hungary uh, will be here. Joy Vonk who came back last year from uh, Kenya and now has long COVID so she's working from the home base. But missionaries from all over, Ted and Gail McKinney who just got back last week I think from Suriname. No, just kidding. A few years ago but they're going to represent Roy and and, and and Margaret tonight, you'll get to hear from a lot of the missionaries and to hear their hearts. As we read this morning in Romans 1 and Romans 15, you'll get a sense of Paul's great missionary heart. And when you meet our missionaries tonight, you'll discover that God is continuing to inspire such hearts for the gospel and for people all over the world in our day. Before we get to the text, would you join me in prayer as we ask for God's blessing on our time in the Word? Father, we recognize that your Word is powerful and it brings life. And, uh, uh, and surely it can save people just by reading and believing. But Lord, in your great design, you have called us to preach the word, to proclaim the word. And through it, through the preaching of the word, faith is often brought into people's hearts. And they call on the name of the Lord and are saved. And so as we read from Romans Chapter 1 and chapter 15 today, we pray that our hearts would be encouraged and attuned to the great work that you're doing, not only here but around the world. Even when it feels dark and seems hopeless, we know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. May our hearts be encouraged to be better partners for our missionaries, and to be better missionaries ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, since I don't want to ask you to stand for a couple of hours, I mean, excuse me, about 30 minutes, I'll just ask you to remain seated. <clears throat> Romans 1, chapter 1. Paul, a servant, a slave, of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. By the way, I've highlighted gospel. I could have highlighted called. Look at how many times that's in there as well. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. 
concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice that the gospel was planned long before Jesus Christ. The second person of the Trinity became flesh and blood, 100% God, 100% man. Jesus' birth, death, life, and resurrection, all covered thoroughly in Romans, were foretold by Old Testament prophets. We rightly think of Romans as the best and most logical presentation of the gospel in the New Testament. You start in Romans 1 to 3 talking about sin and and then what Jesus did for our sin and then the importance of faith and what it means to live in Christ and be free from the, the power of sin in our lives. And you just keep going all the way through the book of Romans. And we rightly think of it as this beautiful, logical presentation of the gospel in the New Testament. But did you know that Paul quotes from the Old Testament at least 51 times in the book of Romans? The gospel was there all along. The point, Jesus was plan A from the beginning. God did not have to scramble to make a new plan once Adam and Eve fell. But rather... When we praise Jesus for all eternity, not only as creator, but also as redeemer, it will be according to God's plan that was in place from before the foundation of the world. (coughs) Excuse me. Verse 5. Through whom... We have received grace through Jesus. We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who were called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. There are people who talk about our faith in all the world. Joe and Stefania talk about Grace Community Church all over the world. Our missionaries talk about those guys at Grace Community Church. Most of what they have to say is good. So, That's what Paul is saying. People know about you all over the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking and somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So tonight, when, when missionaries say, how can I pray for you? Don't say, oh, no, no, I should be praying for you. They want to know what our prayer requests are. They want to know how to be praying for us. There's not a missionary that we support that who did not want to be with us this evening. 
We are partners together in the gospel. And we are blessed when we can be in one another's company. So I want to encourage you to be here tonight and to encourage the missionaries. Whether you had planned to be here or not. Change your plans. There's going to be really interesting food. There's going to be food that, you're a, that you know about. If you're a fried chicken, chicken and butter beans kind of guy, I don't know that it's going to be that. Somebody should go home and make them and deviled eggs, though. I will say. But I think you're going to find, as our next verses indicate, there'll be a mutual blessing that cannot be explained apart from the gospel. Verse 11. For I long to see you. Paul is saying to the Romans, he's never met them before, or he knows some of them, but he's, he's not met a lot of them. I long to see you that I may impart to you <clears throat> some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Not that I'm just going to teach you a thing or two, but you're going to teach me as well. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I might reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. And the point is because that would be good for you and for, for the kingdom as a whole. There is more to Paul's expression of longing to see these believers, many of whom he had never met, than is evident at first blush. When Paul said, I long to impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you, he was using what is known in biblical Greek as a divine or passive, theological passive. To strengthen you might be better translated that you might be strengthened. Now, we understand justification the way that God saves us or the, the act by which he saves us when he justifies us in Christ. We recognize that that's his work, that there's nothing we can do to be saved. But we think spiritual growth is up to me. And yes, our disciplines, our spiritual disciplines surely help in that process, but it is not just us, okay, God saved me, time to roll up my sleeves. Now, the work is his from the beginning to the end. And as we are aware of that, we grow more readily, more quickly in Christ. So to strengthen you is better translated that you might be strengthened. In addition to working through his word, God works through his people as a means of grace to strengthen them through fellowship with one another. Look, if you're coming to Grace on Sunday mornings, but you're not going to any home groups, women's ministry, youth ministry, men's ministry, other opportunities to interact with believers, then you're, miss you're not getting anywhere close to what God designed for you to get. You need to be engaging with people. And look, it usually goes the other way, so I'm not saying this is the way it goes. But if you were to say... <clears throat> Well, I like the preaching, but I just don't. Usually it's the other way. So, but if you say, I'm, I'm good what I get on Sunday morning, I'm good. You're missing it. And if you don't really interact well with the people of grace, 
find a place that is preaching the word where you do interact well. Because we can't grow apart from the mutual encouragement of believers mixing one with another. It's God's design that we encourage one another. If for no other reason, then it leads to the furtherance of the gospel. Verses 14 to 15. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Early in my Christian life, the Lord gripped my heart with the truth of verse 14. And this is the, the, what the Lord spoke to me up through this verse. Nothing in my life is ever wasted. If I am to be an effective witness of the gospel, I can only fulfill my obligation to both the sophisticated and to ordinary men and women if I'm comfortable in both worlds. If you're a student, you may be taking the most worthless class in the history of education. Except that it's not. You have no idea how God is going to use that in your life one day. Furthermore, don't judge others. Do you know how gratifying it is for someone of my generation to say to someone of your generation, don't judge others. I'm told that a lot. Don't judge me. Don't judge others because of their politics, their interests, their tendencies. But rather, as Paul said, I've become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. Put yourself, strive to position yourself as one who will be given a platform to preach the gospel. We cannot fulfill our obligation to all people. If we're taking sides that the culture demands that everyone take. No, we live in this strange place where the kingdom of which we are a part is not of this world. And we don't function like everyone else does. That's what tonight is all about. Missionaries who are telling this to the ends of the earth. Then remember the truth stated in, in the next two verses. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel... For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Very complicated and yet not so complicated little phrase. Faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4 is where that was first written. Look, we could spend weeks and weeks, months, maybe years in these two verses and not come close to mining the riches found in these two verses. We might come back to them in the next year or so. But for now, it's good for us to acknowledge that it is belief in the gospel 
of Jesus that saves us. Not our good works, not our abilities or lack thereof, not our heritage as Jews or Gentiles or Americans or, or, or those who are coming from a Christian home. The gospel tells me that I am a sinner. And the first step in saving faith for me is to acknowledge my sin before the Lord. I am a sinner both in nature and in deed, in my actions. And to confess our sins to the Lord. Then when I understand that Jesus came to earth to live the life that was designed for Adam, but one in which he did not, not fulfill. And so Jesus lived the life that Adam was unable to live, and, and he died the death that I deserved. And when I believe that, when I understand that, then I am ready to call out for God to save me for Jesus' sake. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, it says in Romans. But it also said it first in Hosea. I do this in response to the preaching of the gospel. Arthur Wieser said in the Old Testament, faith is always man's reaction to God's primary action. And that's carried right over into the New Testament. In other words, God does something. He tells me. And I respond to that. I can't figure it out on my own. God draws me to himself. And I believe. Even though New Testament writers express God's truth in the Greek language. Their words were imbued with Hebrew Meaning, once again, God's plan for salvation did not begin with the coming of Jesus, but it can be seen long before through God saving his covenant people all through the ages. Verse 17, which quotes Habakkuk 2.4, and just might be a candidate for the most important verse in the Bible. Let's just say that verse 17 cries out for detailed explanation, and perhaps that will occur soon, but alas, we must move on. Having seen the importance of the gospel in our missionary efforts, let us prepare our hearts to meet and interact with our missionaries tonight by reading Romans 15, in which we will see Paul's heart to preach the gospel, not only to the Romans in places where the gospel has never been preached, or uh, not only to the, to the Romans where the gospel has already been preached and believed, but in places where it's never been preached. You will sense this same heart for some of the missionaries that you meet tonight. So the first portion of this chapter is a call for Jewish and Gentile believers in Christ to get along for the sake of the gospel. It very much rings true with what we have read in 1 Corinthians recently. And by the way, I skipped one thought when Paul said, I am eager to preach the gospel to you at Rome also. He meant so that some who don't believe will believe. 
and respond to the preaching of the gospel. But he also was very likely saying, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. The gospel is good news for believers as well <coughs> as unbelievers. So let's begin in Romans 15, chapter 1. And then I'm just going to do a lot of reading as we prepare for the Lord's table. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For as Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So I tell you that Christ became a servant or a slave to the circumcised, to the Jews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Now, he's going to give three or four <clears throat> Old Testament verses here. And let me just remind you, I won't take time to explain this, but the New Testament writers almost always quote from the Septuagint. <clears throat> the Septuagint, which had been written one to three hundred years before, the time of Christ was a Greek translation of the Old Testament. They did a little bit of editorial work when they did it. They said, this is what it means. So the, the translation went from Hebrew to Greek to English. When you go to, from English back to the Hebrew, you say, well, now, wait a minute. Where does that? That doesn't look exactly like. It's because <clears throat> the New Testament writers are are translating from Greek to Greek, and then we go to English, but never mind, that's enough. <clears throat> if you don't understand that, <clears throat> come up to me after the service. I'll point you to Allison, my sweet wife Allison, and she will tell you everything you need to know. So again, if you look these up, <clears throat> they're not going to be word for word. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And once again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. 
So God's covenant people is going to be expanded greatly to include people from all nations, not just the new Jewish nation. All nations, all who believe in Jesus become his covenant people. May, verse 13, the God of all hope or the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may abound in hope. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. So that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. By word and deed by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. <clears throat> i just stop right here. We say all the time, I know this is God's will for my life. And then it doesn't happen. Like we expect it to. What then? We'll get to it in 1 Corinthians 16 when we get there. We'll, spend, we'll camp out for a little bit there. Same truth is being said here. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. I've been preaching the gospel in other places. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. And believe me, he gets to Rome, but not how I thought he would. And to be helped on my journey there by you. I want to take the gospel to Spain. It's never been preached there. I want to come there, and I want you to be a part of this great venture. You, you can help support me financially. You can encourage me spiritually. You can send people with me. I hope to see you, verse 24, in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints of Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing, they ought also to be of service to them 
and material blessing. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. By the way, did the gospel ever get to Spain? We don't know. In Paul's day, one thing we do know, it's there now. God's will has been done. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And when you think about the way that the Lord got Paul to Rome, and you think about the message last week and how the gospel went forth in places that were very much opposed to the gospel through what seemed like to be a stamping out of the people who were preaching the gospel. Just amazed at the work of the Lord. <clears throat> Let us turn our hearts to the proclamation of the truth of the gospel. By hearing the words of Jesus as he prepared his disciple, disciples for the very first Lord's Supper. Before we read the scripture, I'm going to ask the the, the worship team, if you would come, and elders and deacons and staff, those who are going to help prepare <clears throat> uh, for this meal, to serve this meal, if you would come. A few instructions before um, we get to the table. First, I'll let you know that the, that the bread is gluten-free, so if you have gluten allergies <clears throat> or some aversion to gluten for whatever reason. You don't have to worry. It's, it's gluten-free. Um, secondly, we're going to be serving from the front today. And you will go to the station that is in front of your particular section. There will be four stations with elders and deacons who are serving you this morning. Ushers will alert you when you are to come. We're going to come down the interior aisles. We'll go back up the middle aisle and the outer aisles. So, <clears throat> once you receive the elements, please take them back <clears throat> to your seat, if you would, <clears throat> and wait, and then we will partake together. This meal is intended for believers, so <clears throat> if you are a, a one who follows Christ, if you have given your heart and life to Christ, then we invite you to join with us in this meal. If you're not a believer... This meal is for believers. It may be that you would want to profess your faith in Jesus Christ today, even as you partake. Say, Lord, I believe that you died for me, and I, my only hope is in Jesus. Please save me. Matthew 26, beginning with verse 26. They had gathered together for the Passover meal, and we're told that now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, 
broke it and gave it to the disciples and said to them, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given things, gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom or the fullness of the coming kingdom. 1 Corinthians 11 says that as often as we eat and drink, we proclaim the Lord's coming. We believe that He's coming again. So this today is a proclamation of the gospel. It's not simply a time like, okay, this is what Christians do. No, our hearts need to be prepared for the truth that we could never, ever have been good enough to go to heaven but that Jesus, because of God's love, was sent to earth and willingly took the cross upon himself, bore our shame, and the wrath of God poured out on our sins that were placed on Jesus so that we might have life. And Jesus had completed his work on the cross. He said, it is finished. It's done. No more work needs to be done. And when we believe and our participation in this table is an affirmation of our belief, when we believe, we belong to Him. Father, You told us to examine ourselves before we come to this table. And if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And so, Lord, now in this moment, individually and then corporately, we confess our sins to you. Father, we confess that we have sinned in thought in word in deed we have left undone things that ought to have been done we know that we find forgiveness in Jesus and that his blood was spilled it's part of the new covenant and it was shed for the forgiveness of sins for many. And so, Father, we gratefully express our faith and our belief in Jesus, this table. May he be exalted. And it is in his name and all that it stands for that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, 
go to graceccnc.org.